it's funny because there's there's lots of entities that really don't like us, right? And I, I get their ideological idea behind it, but they really don't understand what we're doing and and where some of the value is to it and why a lot of these companies can't be around without us. So it's kind of a bigger picture thing. Yes, welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. Welcome to the show, Grant Blaisdell, or Blaisdell, sorry, Blaisdell. You even fixed how to pronounce that, and I did it wrong. <laughs> welcome to the show, Grant Blaisdell, and you're working with a couple of companies, but the main one that you're working behind is AMLT that kind of connects them all together, if I understand it, right? Uh, well, no, I'm most known as a co-founder of CoinFirm. And, oh, CoinFirm, uh, okay, sorry. AMLT is a system and a network attached to our our main platform, which we'll we'll talk a bit about both more later. Okay, awesome. So let let's give the the audience the quick kind of intro to who you are, where you came from, how you ended up here, and then we'll go from there and talk about this group that's all fighting what we're fighting for, but we're not fighting the right way. We're just talking about it, which is uh, people getting scammed. Uh, yeah. So you're speaking on the reclaim crypto thing. So we'll of course get into that a bit later. My background kind of is is from a different field, let's say total left field compared to what CoinFirm does. So I originally come out of more of the digital media space and music and entertainment space, focused on a technological end, also creative end. So I've done music my whole whole life. But uh, my first startups and projects were focused around mobile video distribution, uh, digital media distribution and monetization models and platforms, etc., I think when it comes to entering the blockchain space, I feel like a lot of people are have created something of value in the space, kind of have their aha moment around this technology or around crypto. Mine comes back once again to digital media and its distribution and monetization and how centralized or third parties play certain roles in that. Um, so we can we can also talk about that another time. But that's how I got into the blockchain and crypto space and started trying to apply this technology to things I was already doing. At that time, I was introduced to what became some of the co-founders of CoinFirm. I met them originally here in Warsaw, which is where I am right now, which is our, let's say, operational, technical, and data analytics, data science home for CoinFirm. CoinFirm is a London headquartered company, though, and registered. But we met out here and we realized based on a vision of original vision of two of the co-founders that if this crypto and blockchain economy and space is to truly grow and come into the mass and the traditional industries, then it's going to have a few things it really needs to solve. And one of the core kind of roadblocks there for opportunity bridges is focused around not just regulatory compliance, but more specifically anti-money laundering. Right. And the cool thing is, is which I can talk more about later as well, is the realization that actually, you know, for all the accusations, crypto especially gets around, you know, potential money laundering concerns, regulatory concerns, etc. With what we're doing at CoinFirm and what we've built is we're showing that uh, actually anti-money laundering in the crypto space based off, you know, the fundamental characteristics of blockchain and if you know how to analyze and apply certain things to it, uh, that you can make it 90 times more effective than it is in the traditional space. So as a lot of people know, and you know, plenty of news and scandals in the past years around it, uh, in the traditional financial system, you know, these anti-money laundering regulatory measures they have inside are like 1% or 2% effectiveness on a good day. You know, we're doing it in the 90 percentile. So that leads to, you know, what CoinFirm is most recognized as. We're recognized as a global leader when it comes to anti-money laundering and analytics for blockchains and cryptocurrencies. So we've done this with or for anybody ranging from Binance uses our our solutions to, you know, we integrated XRP, so we're the first ones to really bring an AML and regulated capability for XRP on the market and under us sits you know a few of these other tools solutions systems that we've built one is the amlt network which is powered by uh also a token that you can use in our solutions and systems as well as reclaim crypto which is our most recent 
coming out kind of solution, which really piqued your interest. Yep. That's how I ended up reaching out to you. We had a listener scammed and I saw the service. I'm like, I don't know if these guys can help, but I'd love to have them on the show to talk about it anyway, because it's pretty aligned. But you said a couple of things that were interesting. Number one, that you came kind of from the music industry. Yeah. And that kind of piqued your interest with the the middleman taking so much money from an artist. We just talked about that because XRP is launching that uh, they're launching that digital platform for buying music called uh, I think it's called X songs. And oh, okay. they're taking zero fees, giving 100% of that to the to the artist. Not that I'm that, that we're necessarily XRP aligned on the show, but I thought it was pretty cool. So that's a, an X spring project. I didn't look too much into it. It's just called X songs and it's powered by the XRP token, not like ripple labs. So, okay. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd have to look at it. You know, my, my approach towards that and what I think the fault of kind of the crypto markets initial approach to that industry is that's providing no incentive to the industry stakeholders or to the music buyers themselves. Actually, it just complicates the process for them. Um, the true solution of blockchain or or cryptocurrency based tech and in in digital media and and music to me is it's foundational within the system itself. The transparency of it, automation of revenue shares and streams, etc. So, for example, you know, like a musician or label, they have like their digital rights management systems. But the moment those enter the actual marketplace where it's where it's monetized, commercialized, Spotify's, etc., it's cut off. Right. So it kind of loses its purpose. The The real value of, of blockchain to me and, and how I, you know, like applying it across different industries is that it's almost like an A to Z system where you can move it all the way through and back under one hood. Right. And that can be automated, but it can be done in a trustful and transparent environment, which is super important, which you, you know, most people, well, they're stealing their money. Well, we don't need, we don't even know if they're, I don't think a lot of these entities truly Labels might be different, but they don't have a bad intention. But either way, we're off topic. We need to go back <laughs> to the AML. <laughs> so, so when, when we're talking about AML, and you're talking about making it significantly more uh, efficient. I, for, I used to be a casino manager, and okay. one of the things that we would have to do is we would have, uh, we would have to try to track what people were doing with their money uh, via MTLs and CTRs and that kind of thing. And there was no real regulation on that. It's not like I needed to get their ID. It's not like I needed to, depending, if it, if somebody cashed in $2,000 at a cage, I was supposed to write that down and also hope that people were also writing that down in another cage if they cashed in $2,000 there. And maybe in aggregate, at some point, I might have to ask for their identification. So well, someone, someone asked me today is, you know, is it just checking boxes? Is AML just checking boxes or is it like a thing? And the traditional space for the most part is just checking boxes. You know, the, the big realization that, you know, some, some kind of, let's, what I might say, ideological uh, tilt around crypto is, is, you know, understand the technology you're actually, you know, playing around with and that you're promoting this stuff, such as transparency, you know, you you can have transparency, but that also means transparency on you or in ways that you might not like, mm-hmm. right? So, that, like I said, the, the technology is fundamentally built on, on certain characteristics, which allows, you know, companies like us who know what they're doing to really analyze. And, and once again, you know, you brought up IDs, and this is another thing that's very important in the market segmentation is kind of the KYC, the identification end. Mm-hmm. And what we do, which is more focused on analysis on source of funds, their risk, transaction monitoring, et cetera, right? So we don't actually directly tie in identities unless, you know, it's like we know that this is the the wallet of a major exchange, which, for example, we have most most wallets of most major exchanges mapped, okay. right? So on our AML risk report, which you'll get back in about five seconds from pinging our API, among many things, one of the things you'll see is a behavioral profile or identity profile. It's not going to say Brent Philbin. Right. Okay. Yeah, so that's it could say Binance or it could say, you know, whatever. It could say a commercial entity, but it's not going to say personal identification, right? We're not in that space per se. Okay. So, so you're, fi- you're finding a way to track kind of risk and transactions that would look like they are causing a problem like they might actually be somebody money laundering and then you can use that data to kind of track that down and let say Binance know don't accept money from this yeah, there might be something going so, on here so i'll attach the amlt network into this so 
first off, we're, you know, we're taking data uh, off chain data. We're taking on chain data. We're crawling different places, deep web, et cetera, right? We have a data science team who also will do stuff manually. We also built the AMLT network, which allows, whether it's our partners or clients, but it allows anybody. So, you know, someone in Timbuktu can go on AMLT site and input data related to crypto addresses. So let's say your friend or one of your users you're talking about who got scammed, he Mm -hmm. got scammed. Moment that happens, he takes that crypto address that scammed him, whatever evidence he has, screenshots, and puts it into our system. Right. So that goes into our database. Mm. Right. So and our data science team goes through it and they go, okay, that's that's legit. And they implement that data into our platform. Right. So like uh, an exchange who uses our solution would then they have a transaction coming in, let's say. Right. They would query our system. And within about five seconds, on average, they'll get the AML risk report back, which will say, you know, that behavioral profile, risk rating, zero to 99 risk rating. And that risk rating is based off around 300 risk indicators that you can see below. So you can see exactly what this, this uh, wallet and funds related to it have been, they've been doing that creates that risk score, you know, exact actions, flags, let's say. Interesting. Right? So then let's say it's the address or somehow related very closely to the address that did that scam on your user. Then the exchange would say, oh, it's related to that scam. It has this sort of risk. And they could, you know, since it's crypto, they technically have the funds, but they would either send them back or they could freeze them, right? And if they freeze them, the victim potentially later could go and get them back if they can document that. Oh, okay. Right. So have they done that in any cases? Because we've all, I've always thought about how interesting it would be for the exchanges to kind of get on board with helping solve some of these problems. Some, the some exchanges, some exchanges uh, are better at it than others. You know, I, I've become more... Um, oh, and, and by the way, not just the AML risk reports, but these exchanges can use other tools on our platform, like our visualizers, to go and see where it's coming from, etc. So those are the tools like we use in Reclaim Crypto. Uh, but back to what you're saying around uh, the exchanges, you know, I've become a little bit more sympathetic to them because they got so much stuff and I bet there's loads of traffic, real and fake and scam, you know, that's coming in at all times that it might be hard for them to, to properly assess all this stuff unless the authorities come and make them do that. Right. That's, that's one of the issues, you know, one of the things that came up around Reclaim Crypto is that for now, like, you know, for the most part, almost exclusively in any sort of legit factor, you know, like you can almost only deal with with law enforcement, right? Who don't have as much resources or incentive Mm -hmm. as let's say a, a private company like us with our partners who can then you know, use law enforcement when needed to do certain legal aspects, like pull that, pull those funds out through a subpoena or whatever it may be, right? So it's this big ecosystem, right, that we've we've really built to to provide that kind of transparency layer, you know, a knowledge layer. At the end of the day, you know, we're just providing data, we're providing knowledge that provides, let's say, better security and safety and allows the crypto economy to grow. That's the big picture that I really try to get across to people is that, hey, this can only go so far without being able to provide this. You know, the XRP stuff, these are all cases that are happening where these entities need to prove or need to be able to provide a layer like ours so that they can exist in regulated markets and grow. Do you see yourselves as a solution for for law enforcement to either kind of learn about the space at all or maybe end well, up tracking some people down? I mean, in a lot of ways, Reclaim Crypto is is that what we're doing, you know, what we're providing most importantly in this is the capability to go and see exactly where it is and potentially identify and tie, you know, anything to that that can then be in the real world, let's say, you know, addressed. My personal thing is, is I'm not, you know, I, I don't know whether I'd say idealistic is, is the thing. Um, our competition works a lot with law enforcement. Uh, we don't, I don't think we formally have like 
any sort of contracts or anything like that with law enforcement. But, you know, when the situation's correct, we provide that data to them. So as do loads of people in the crypto space is one of the things I've learned about this reclaim crypto thing um, since we've had is that there's a lot of this going on and there's not a solution to it outside of just directly engaging law enforcement pretty much and and from just my experience on this with our listener the law enforcement isn't interested in any like he lost half a bitcoin uh which is you know depending on what the price is right now i don't know i don't look but maybe four thousand dollars and if you went to a law enforcement agency here and said somebody stole four thousand dollars from me they bank with this company they would probably do something about it with the cryptocurrency situation. They're like, yeah, <laughs> we don't know anything. Go ahead, go. Well, so. you know, that relates to us as well. If it's one case of this, this individual scammer and he got a couple thousand from, you know, a couple people, you know, that's the thing where you kind of have to have that collective mass and network effect. You know, that's, that's why you see, you know, more of these collective kind of litigations and, and all these, all these sort of things is because you need to, you need to bring that together. So if that same, if that scam that was done to him is like a single type of scam that's been done to loads of people that equals millions of dollars, then that's something that's attackable. Okay. You get what I mean? No, it, an aggregate. And, it's like the yeah, opposite yeah. of securing the network. <laughs> Well, the the thing is, is, you know, like in our cases with this, that's better for us. The more people who are involved in it, right, the more you can, you have that collective mass, the better. So, you know, you're with your guys's user. I don't know exactly what the case is. He can go on reclaimcrypto.com, you know, start his case and we'll see. I can't, you know, I can't promise anything around any of the the results around it, but I I had, you know, a conversation, a meeting earlier around it and from all that we can see, there's some cases are going really well. So we'll see the results around this, but I'm, we're looking forward to proving that in, in the long term and showing, you know, that there are solutions in the space to this stuff. But it, it, like I said, you know, it's part of a bigger picture, right? It has to kind of be this collective thing and entities in the space need to, you know, get behind it as well, you know, without it having to be like a regulator putting a gun to their head. So I'm kind of building a picture of how this works and I'm getting kind of excited about it. If everyone were say using your platform as the way that they reported a scam when it happened, that would make it easier for you to actually solve some of these situations. So let's say there's a hundred people that have gotten a Bitcoin stolen from them. So you're, so you're talking about 800 uh, or whatever that comes out to. And this person then transfers 50 Bitcoin to one of the exchange partners that you're working with. And all 100 of those people have filed a claim with Reclaim Crypto. In theory, they could all get a half of a Bitcoin back if the stars aligned properly. The way the way I'd see it, like the full picture, is okay. Most entities in the space are using our AML platform, mm-hmm. right? Most exchanges, etc. Some scam is happening. Users report it into our AMLT network first right? Which is, that's the in. What comes out of there are tokens as a reward, which we're kind of incentivizing, you know, good, good action, let's say. But AMLT is in, data in. So we hope that, you know, we generate, create such fast capability of uh, confirming the validity of data that we're, we're acquiring. So new data, such as hacks or scams, etc., that we can implement it really fast so that by the time, you know, the hackers or whoever are trying to liquidate it or do something with it on exchanges, it's re- reflected in our system. So when it hits the exchange, the exchange sees that and can freeze it, right, for later review. But let's say stuff gets through, right, or it went to somewhere else that's not using our system, et cetera, right? Then there's Reclaim Crypto in the back end to trace that and then have the formal. That's why we have Kroll and Duff and Phelps as partners uh, around it. So Kroll is is, is a major corporate investigations firm. They're owned by Duff and Phelps, which is a a major kind of financial consultancy firm on Wall Street. So these these are the people who formally, in a legal sense, go in and pull that out, right? So that's the whole kind of ecosystem, right? We can't expect everything to, you know, get caught through the net, right? In that sort of sense. But this is the future of 
of the financial system. That's why I try to tell the people like in the crypto spaces, you know, you want transparency, you want these sort of, you know, these features and benefits, it extends across the board. But that's also, you know, I'm not so focused on, you know, the anonymity aspect, because I personally and a coin firm, we don't focus directly on identity of individuals. I think it'll be interesting a time in the future when there's some sort of zero knowledge style identity on built into either Ethereum or another blockchain where you could marry the two without exposing an identity. Uh, I think that that marry the anonymity with just the fact that somebody exists as a person, for instance, and isn't a bot or whatever the case. That's one element of that. But I've had a few discussions kind of around that, how that extends in a wider sense, even like, you know, logins, whether it's to your social medias, your crypto wallet, whatever it may be that, you know, this future of we're all going to be walking around with, you know, private keys on ourselves, right, that prove our identity, mm-hmm. you know, without a doubt. But you know, if if I if I'm a really really bad minded person, I know people are r- walking around with private keys with <laughs> with right. access to all their stuff. So you know, there's with age and experience, especially in the blockchain space, I'm 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 not as utopian as many people might think about a lot of the applications. Right? I it, I don't view everything as a silver bullet, and what we're doing is you know we're taking something that's like I said one percent two percent effectiveness in the traditional space and doing it in around the 90 percentiles which is great but you know i'm not i also don't don't see a world where we would want you know systems just automatically blocking it but an interesting discussion around that is like uh, dexes Mm -hmm. so how are dexes going to operate in a regulated environment yeah or depending on where the regulation is is coming from it I can see, you know, you're saying you don't have this like utopian vision of the future, but if if this ends up being the solution, a DEX can operate within that almost using your network as an oracle. I yeah, that's really smart that you just said that because that's the next step we're doing. We just did a POC on an oracle for AMLT, so that just put that into the DEX, DEX environment, uh, you know, transaction comes in, user has to pay whatever the fees associated with, you know, checking, doing the check, checks, it moves in, you know, but that's also, you know, there's no perfection in anything. So no, it's a spectrum, of course, all across right. the board. You can right, have a DEX called, I don't know, like open DEX that refuses to work with anybody. And then there's a DEX that was created that works with AMLT. Yeah, and, but just like just like with Monero and Zcash, what you're going to see is they either have to open themselves up, which they do have that that uh, capability, by the way, or they're relegated to the you know the tiny tiny market dark corners, right? So that's the future for those type of entities, whether it's mixers, you know, tip bots. These things are all going to fall under some sort of regulatory, you know, environments and entities like us, you know, it's, it's funny because there's, there's lots of entities that really don't like us. Right. And I, I get their ideological idea behind it, but they really don't understand what we're doing and, and where some of the value is to it and why a lot of these companies can't be around without us. So it's kind of a bigger picture thing. Well, it's it's almost so if people are going to have a problem with something like this, it's going to be on the like the total anarchist Monero perfect privacy uh, group. But at the same time, if you're using an exchange and you're using a centralized point of contact that has to be regulated, this is you can call it a necessary evil. That's not right. The, the right term, but you're not going to be able to operate inside of an exchange without the exchange doing what they can to protect their users and to protect themselves from their local jurisdiction. Right, right. And you said an important thing there, which is protect their users. You want the Wild West, that, that's, there's going to be no protection of users. There's going to be no you know, repercussions, no way to reclaim things. It's just going to be that. And it's going to be the type where, the, where kind of the bullies will win out. Yeah. So I don't see that as a, in a future with a lot of adoption, personally. I don't either. Uh, I don't think a lot of people would want to exist in that sort of space. Come on, people don't even like fake exchange volume. Mm -hmm. You know, which, hey, I can tell you for the most part, 
with a bunch of exchanges, how much generally they're actually holding and how that can relate to, you know, their volumes. We did something like that on hit BTC. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so we have, have some... one of our AMLT network members is Cointelligence who have a, a, a really cool founder who just really doesn't, he like, he doesn't care. He's about the mission, you know, just of bringing transparency and just exposing uh, things. So he said, Hey, we really don't appreciate these guys. They're not transparent at all. Uh, this is their volume. And we go, okay, let's see what, and you know, what they were holding could not cover anywhere near that volume. Right. Yeah. Big surprise. So that's a lot across the board for the most part. So it's about bringing like real transparency to it and protecting users and allowing companies to grow and protect themselves and really turn this, you know, this new economy into what it should be. Yeah. The hip, hip BTC is, is a glaring example of, of problems of the wild west you have a you have an anonymous founder anonymous team and they continually do things that are huge red flags they they hold big transactions and stuff like that and you're saying that you can't even that their accounts don't look anywhere near like they can handle the exchange that they're or the uh I'm the volume to, i'm happy to share these links with you uh around it Here's one, here's Cointelligence did this, you know, they just used our analytics as a network member, as an AMLT network member. So that's, that's that one, you know, I can share a bunch of other cool stuff that we did. On CoinGecko, for example, if you go on exchanges on CoinGecko, you'll see their risk rating. So that's our KYE report where we went through kind of the KYC AML processes of most exchanges on the market and defined, uh, you know, kind of what's the risk profile around it. And here's the honest truth. Here's the honest truth. Uh, the safest exchanges are the ones who are the most compliant. That's from everything we've seen in the market. Yep. We're constantly harping on this on the show where I get the ideological reason behind not working with exchanges. So keep your coins off them. But if you're working with them, you want the ones that are the most regulated you want the ones that are participating in the economy the best because if something happens to them they're the most likely to come out of it without taking all of your money well people can yell you know people but lots of people yell about like coinbase a lot well my mom uses coinbase my mom uses crypto more than i do yeah you know so she you know she uses it normally right so uh yeah it's that's the way the market's going that's the way the market has to go and you know, we came out really early. We came out four years ago talking about AML, almost four years ago. So we've seen it all. We've gotten a lot of flack um, for it, but uh, even a lot, some of those entities have become our clients or partners, and and it continuously proves, you know, the value of our existence. And I'm glad, you know, whether it's it's AMLT that catches one person, it's our AML platform that catches another, or it's Reclaim Crypto that catches you. You know, it's about putting it in that that kind of complete ecosystem. In order for us to get, like you said, your mom uses Coinbase. In order for us to get grandma friendly or whatever you want to call it, the scams have to have, they have to slow down. They have to have a recourse. There has to be a way. If somebody hits you upside the head and takes $3,000 out of your wallet, you know exactly what to do to try and catch that person and try and get your money back. If somebody scams you out of $3,000 in crypto, it it's so tough right now. I, I don't think the grandma thing is uh, the way to do that, and why Coinbase might work. My mom's unique, you know. So my mom has startups and stuff. She's not like normal mm -hmm. mom in that sort of sense. But you know, the way you do that is by providing things where they have to deal the least amount with what is crypto. Yes. So <laughs> the mass adoption of crypto is the least amount of crypto. Uh, in the sense of that people might not even and don't need to know that they're using crypto. That's the best. Holding, holding and investing in assets is a different sort of thing. Most cryptos that have been created are don't serve that purpose or they say it doesn't serve that purpose as an investment vehicle, whatever you want to call it as a security. But they, most of them don't have a utility Either way, it's, there's a very limited application of actual, let's say, digital assets you want to hold, et cetera. And most of it is, is transactional, but you know, why? 
Like the, I mean, maybe grandma is might be old and disconnected, but if she asks you why, that's probably the most viable question: is why should I be doing this? Yep, and it's tough to justify points, and it's tough to uh, it's tough to see where it goes, despite believing in all of the all of the reasons behind why crypto exists, why it's good for us to disconnect from banks, but yet still be in a situation where radical transparency is possible. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of cool utility applications as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not one of these people, you know, as someone who helps lead a, a project that's related to a utility token, you know, I can't be, I can't say there's no utility in these kind of tokenization models. You know, I think certain and bat, I think is shown doing a really good job showing success around stuff like that. But yeah, I don't, I just don't, see the mass adoption of crypto coming from trying to force people to use private keys right exactly that isn't it isn't going to happen i I I love that there's a subset of people that want to you know in the end if if everyone's using coinbase and they have no idea that they're using crypto but that so coinbase is essentially being their bank or whatever i'm fine with that as long as i have the option to not do it so i think that's the real future that we're looking for and in that future we have to have a different set of how we're doing things. It's easy to track down US dollars with like the DOJ or something like that. It's not easy to track down a cross-border payment solution that isn't controlled by anybody. So that's uh, that's why this was well, so track, interesting track to me. Down, track down is one thing. It's easier to track it down. Or track it down, yeah, yeah. In, in a certain way, it's, it's, you know, but the system, the regulated system or the networks haven't been formally founded around it. But I mean, come on, the, the success rate in the traditional space, I don't think is, is very high either. I think, you know, the future around crypto and blockchain is going to show really. And in, in some ways, to some people, in some ways, period, might in a scary way, uh, how effective that, those sort of things can, can really be. So, you know, I tell if, if you're interested in, you know, illicit trade, Bitcoin is probably not the best source to to use for it so i love that some of the most awful things like that child pornography ring that was caught recently i love that they think it's okay to use bitcoin because we can catch them well, uh, yeah, and as the chief marketing officer as well of 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 coin firm and someone who's interested a lot in communication how it can be twisted how media works around that stuff a lot of media from what i saw kind of used it as hey child porn rings were using bitcoin yeah. Instead of, hey, biggest child porn ring is busted because they were using Bitcoin and it's the best traceable, right? Yep. So, you know, it's all about how you how you communicate and view those things. Just like I had somebody on LinkedIn post the other day, you know, oh, this scam in Finland, it's crypto related. I said that crypto should be banned years ago. And I and I just commented underneath it, you know, you know, sincerely you know my in my humble opinion as a co-founder of coin firm that actually you know the capability to limit and and analyze and filter and apply aml sort of things in crypto is countless times more effective than traditional space and you know there's no facts behind what you say so it's it's going to take time there's that educational curve just like there's educational curve in the crypto industry about us Right. Mm-hmm. And how do you, why do you use us? How to use us? You know, all these little nuances, just like people don't understand difference between KYC, AML, they put it in the same box. Uh, so, you know, these are all, these are all specifics, um, but they're very important. You know, I say that we're a niche within a niche, but we're a niche that applies to it all. Right. And it's kind of the bridge to it all. I'm definitely guilty of putting it in the same box, especially coming from that from that casino side. We literally always said it as KYC AML, or we would call it, uh, or we talk about the Bank Secrecy Act, and that was like right. it was all under one blanket. So the traditional financial world, I can see why they wouldn't care to separate those two. But it's been really interesting to hear you talking about how you don't really want the KYC aspect. You really are your company so focused on the other side on just the AML and separating the two. And I hadn't even, before this interview, hadn't even considered that the separation was an important distinction. Well, we, we have, you know, we, we had a KYC service for a while and we have a, a KYC division internally to where, you know, we can check passport, right? You do the full kind of banking standard around around KYC, but we don't offer that. That's not our focus. You know, we we don't tie those two things together from a data end. 
you know, where we came out wanting to be the global standard for for AML and data on blockchain. So one of the statistics I've heard is that. Oh wait, uh, before I say this, I, I almost forgot sure. the article you you sent me. We covered this on the show. I just didn't realize it was you guys uh, okay. when this came out. Uh, this was this was a while. Ago. I don't the date it's last year in May. Yeah, we covered this back then. I think the week it came out. I've been shouting from the rooftops about HitBTC being throwing red flags up every time I look at them and use them. I specifically talked with Luke from CoinMarketCap at a conference where I was like, dude, why are you guys letting them advertise on your site and not making it obvious they're an advertisement? You didn't learn enough with BitConnect? And anyway, so that was really, that's cool that that article came from you guys. What was his response out of curiosity? He agreed and they changed it. So I don't know. He didn't change it because me, he said at the time that they were running a company, they were taking ad dollars and they didn't realize that they needed to go an extra mile and learn more about it and make it more obvious that it was a, that it was an ad. So I don't know what, cause at the time on coin market cap, if you clicked on it, it said buy this coin or whatever. And it didn't say this is an ad from hippie TC. It just took you to hippie TC. So uh, they changed it. Now it's clearly, I don't think they still advertise with Hippie DC, but they changed it so that it was clearly an ad. They ran off their contract. But uh, yeah, it was one of those things where I like talking to people and I like figuring out what's in their mind about this stuff that I completely disagree with. So, well, we've worked, we've had a really good relationship with CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap. Like I'd, I've never had a chance to even, you know, you can't really speak to anyone there. But we've had a really good relationship with with CoinGecko and and working on, you know, we're working on some further things on providing more transparent and true numbers around exchanges uh, specifically. So like I I brought up, you know, that proof of reserve we did, for example, on HitBDC, we can do that for loads of exchanges, inflow outflows that are coming out of them, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, we always said that this industry kind of needs to regulate and watch itself. It's better to do that than let some, let's say, quote unquote, outsiders exclusively dictate um, the reality. And if you have an approach of, ah, you know, no regulation, this is just, you know, whatever you want to present it as, uh, then you're leaving that discussion exclusively to those people and you're allowing them to uh, mold and mutate the discussion into what is not correct, such as, you know, it's a money laundering haven. It's this and this and this, right? That's why there's companies like us who can prove otherwise. Yeah, that's one of the number one things when you talk to somebody who's new to crypto. One, they'll say it's a scam. Two, they're saying it's used for drugs and money laundering. So changing that perception is an important mission. And I love that that's a part of what you guys are doing. Yeah, and you know, if you want to get re- appreciated, uh, first off, if you want to get down low to their level, let's say, or you can always do the, you know, the what abouts and just flip it on them. It's very easy to do that and just say, well, you say it's used to this. Our analysis shows this in the traditional space. General numbers show this, so so it's better. So what's the problem? It's better than what we're talking about, what we're using right now. So what's the what's the issue, right? So the you know the the market volatility and it's funny because crypto in a lot of ways is more centralized in in the sense that you know x amount of people can really move it. Yep. You know, so that scares a lot of people from that end. But like I said, I'm personally I'm more interested in most interested in this from you know a system level, how it moves systems, how it can change how our systems work. Uh, whether that be music, whether it be, you know, whether it be financial data, whatever it may be. Another important thing for thinking about regulation from inside the crypto industry itself is that's not unique to crypto. Like, let's say the you're a golfer. You're not governed by the police or or by like your local uh, mayor or something like that. The PGA decides on the rules and investigating players who violate those rules for for a golf program the nfl handles right. the things that happen with the nfl so well, they just both like it, work within the u.s regulatory but they handle their thing well for example on our amlt network if we see you doing certain behavioral things that we view as wrong like you're trying to spam us or like you join and you're trying to do as a network member or you let's say 
you go outside lines or break our guidelines, you get kicked off. You know, like I, I'm a pretty big as, as someone with opinion, you know, I'm a pretty big kind of free speech advocate, but you know, and that there comes the debate on YouTube, right? What can YouTube demonetize, not demonetize, leave on, take off? Well, they're a private company technically just because they can do that. doesn't mean they should, right? They can do that. One thing I want to mention, it happened yesterday. So, one of our newer exchange clients and partners is CoinDeal. Uh, you heard of them before? I have not heard of CoinDeal, no. Okay, so they're they're pretty big in Europe, and they just expanded into the U.S. in like 12 or 13 states. But around the AMLT thing, and it being this kind of network, like you said, where, where everybody partakes in it. So what they just did is they became network members and they integrated our, our solution, but they put our widget on their exchange so that exchange users can report and submit data directly on the exchange into our system. Oh, awesome. So like we have a widget that you can, so we're working with some other entities to place these widgets, you know, like I'd, whether it's a coin market cap or whether it's a coin gecko, whether it's an ether scan, you know, all these places where there's loads of address related data and users running around, you know, it's also great for that. So it's, we're trying to, let's say like democratize kind of these compliance aspects and crowdsource it. Yeah. That's the crowd kind of participating is that's the foundation of crypto to me. It's not necessarily the the whole crypto anarchist, like we can do whatever we want and it's completely anonymous kind of pseudo ideal that a lot of people will hold. The The thing that gets me is the the network effect of all the people coming together and and securing that network. Or in this case, all of the people coming together and sharing the data to secure the network within the network, almost like secure yeah. the Bitcoin ecosystem. Now that we've secured the network, let's now solve our ecosystem issues. Well, I understand one of our competitive advantages still uh, compared to a chain analysis, et cetera, is our, our blockchain agnostic approach. So we have the largest market coverage because we're able to technically integrate any type of blockchain really quickly. We've even worked with Hyperledger. We built an AML ledger for a banking Hyperledger project. So, you know, you brought up the Bitcoin aspect where for reclaim crypto, we're applying it for pretty much across our whole coverage board. So that's Bitcoin, that's LTC. Bitcoin Cash was recently integrated. We were the first to do XRP and still are the only ones who are actually providing it around uh, XRP. First ones to do NEO, the only ones to do NEO still, the only ones to do Dash. So we, we have this along a wide, wide coverage, which is also very important. Um, in the blockchain space, if anyone listening is building solutions in this space for the space, not like I'm building my own protocol or whatever it is, you know, to be able to address as many as broad of an asset class as possible is a, is, is a big advantage. And uh, so that allows even in the AMLT network, you know, it's beyond Bitcoin. It's, you know, we're, we're trying to even deal directly with protocols. So that protocols use this as a de facto reporting system. But you'd be shocked at how many protocols are like, well, our community is very, you know, they use terms like privacy. Right. Would you be able to even work with a Monero or a Zcash or anything on like a ZK Snark type? I'm not going to say which ones, uh, but one of them has come to us to work with us because they know that they're in a tougher situation if they can't provide that layer. And another one, I've seen materials that are at this point a couple years old, maybe even that blatantly says, you know, like it has a opt-in regulatory compliance kind of backdoor thing. So interesting. So these things exist and these aren't dumb people. These are very smart people for the most part who are around these things. And I don't think, you know, they're, they're that short term minded. We'll see. I, I don't, you know, I don't speak on behalf of them. I'm just giving you some unique insight that I have. So we talk about ZK Snarks every now and then and the zero knowledge proofs and how they require that trusted setup is most people kind of say like, oh, yeah, the trusted setup was fine. Are you one of those people or do you think maybe not, that trusted I'm not setup? technical enough or uh, when it comes to them, to these two particular ones you mentioned to have any serious opinion right. on that. 
All I know is that if they want, they can. Interesting. Okay. From what I from what I can tell from the materials I've I've seen. So no true privacy necessarily. To what extent is another question. Ah, okay. To open a door is one thing. You know, what you have locked behind the closet door on a key when you let people in your home is another thing. I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not technically versed well enough around Monero or Zcash to, to get into that. But like I said, they're not, these entities probably want to last. Mm-hmm. And what we've hypothesized over the course of this episode is that lasting requires some layer of, AML and compliance with to help all the exchanges to help the people that are involved in the exchanges and off and not necessarily to de-anonymize the the yeah what's kind of happening is regulators and authorities are coming to exchanges saying if you can't provide this sort of assurance for this asset you need to delist it interesting okay so there if in the future we may start seeing signaling as some of the smaller privacy coins get delisted. Maybe, uh, maybe a Zen. You've already, or here, I mean, you've already you've already seen it. Even uh, two weeks ago, Bitbay. So yeah, that's a uh, we know them really well. Okex delisted it. So it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. I, I I spoke to another protocol months and months ago. I said this is what's going to happen to you. Sure enough, they came back and they said, well, yeah, that's what one exchange is saying. They're saying that they might have to delist us. Interesting. That's going to really affect, especially if they're one of the bigger values, because they're going to be pushed off to the fringe and only be able to do peer to peer exchanges, which makes the, makes the price damn near impossible to to peg in a U.S. dollar or, or a euro or something like that. It's going to be like the early days of Bitcoin, let's say. Right. You know, it's just a very limited sort of space and application. And, you know, sometimes I ask people who have certain very strong ideological sets or opinions about I say, so what's your end goal? Right. Your end goal is for a couple thousand privileged financially elite people to be able to play around with this and, you know, in the in the dark corners. Or is this a technology that you want everybody in the world to potentially be able to benefit from, which is, you know, this nice communication you hear about it. And, you know, that's why, for example, we did a really cool project, do a really cool project in Nigeria, because we believe that using systems like ours, you know, a big reason why developing economies have hard times in the global financial space, you'll say, well, they're unbanked or, you know, it's you have all these, you know, nice terms around it now is because they're in what are deemed high risk areas. Our long term goal is, you know, with with AMLT. So we did a program in the blockchain lab we helped set up in, in Nigeria around, you know, reporting scams, crypto scams. It's one of the biggest scam markets in the world, right? But build such an effective system to where you discriminate based off the individual and their actual actions or the individual entity, right? Their wallet, whatever it may be. And you don't just throw like a blanket high risk on, you know, entire swaths of populations irrespective of who they, how they act as individuals. Yeah, it may be even technically right for a company to do that because they have no way to narrow it down. They don't, they're like, okay, like we don't know who to deal with in Nigeria. So we're just going to stop dealing with them entirely. Right. I have a legal obligation to my shareholders, my employees, my family that I need Mm -hmm. to put food on the table for that I'm not going to put it in, you know, absolute unnecessary risks. Right. So if I'm transacting with some sort of entity that might come back that, hey, well, actually this transaction was coming from this thing and you got to give it back. And that's already put in on my, you know, my spreadsheet for my bottom line for my shareholder. I get, you know, humans are humans. And that's another reason why I've never gone too utopian about everything is because you can't deny human nature. Yeah, I'm always on this decentralization is a spectrum situation (laughs) and it's not a pure, it can't ever be pure. Not black and and white. That's why, you know, that's why I don't think, you know, ever purely libertarian nor a communist vision is going to be possible without extreme suffering <laughs> at the end of it. So I'm, I really appreciate, you know, you, you inviting us and, and, and taking the time. I hope you share, you know, the, the related sites and links, the reclaimcrypto.com one, you know, for anybody out there who's listening, who has been a victim, know people who are victims, et cetera. Go and start your claim. Uh, it's a certain process. We'll get back to you with with further steps around that. 
if you want to, you know, report not just scams or fraud or hack related data, et cetera, but also submit good data. So back to the Nigeria thing, hey, I, you know, this guy's in Nigeria, but I've been transacting with him for five years. Here's his address. Here's some evidence of us transacting. He's a good guy recommended. We also take that sort of data. Um, and if you're a crypto company related to a crypto company, if there aren't regulations already putting you under some sort of AML uh, obligation, then they're coming in. In Europe, it's the Anti-Money Laundering Directive 5 that's coming in right now. You have the FATF, which is a pretty much a global thing around the travel rule. Different jurisdictions have their other things. Japan has the FSA. So coin firms more than happy to talk to you and uh, solve these these needs for you and what we believe is the best way and the highest standard of doing it. What is the best place for somebody to find related information? Like if it was Twitter or Medium or what's the one that you concentrate uh, if, on? If you're a Telegram, I'll, I'll customize it to your, your listener. If you like using Telegram for stuff like that, you're one of those people in the crypto space, then... You have the AMLT community. So that's our community for our network. That's AMLT by Coinform, I believe. Let me get you the exact, I'll share the exact link uh, with you. Yeah, we'll have the links in the show notes for all this. Yeah, coinfirm.com is, you know, you can get our contact email us there. Reclaimcrypto.com, of course, has, it all depends on on what you need, to be honest. But coinfirm.com is the main one. Here's the link for the the Telegram, which is AMLT underscore coin firm. It's right here. So you can even go on there and you can at me at Grant Blaisdell and ask me stuff directly. I'm pretty active communication-wise across the board. And yeah, I'd always always happy to talk to any entities that, that need help around this stuff or want to learn more. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on the show. This has been great. The listeners are going to have a lot to say. If anybody has a question... I'll make sure to get it to you. And I'm happy to do a follow up. And if anybody has sort of antagonistic stuff they want to go through, I'm more, I'm you know more than happy to do that. We're not, we're not one of those kind of scared companies in the crypto space that you know preach transparency but don't provide it themselves. So. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I always love seeing that kind of stuff, crypto or non crypto. That happens all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. I would love to do a follow-up, especially once we, we're, we're thinking about putting out this Red Flag series. Not thinking. I'm starting it. I don't know when it's going to come out, though. When it does, I think it'll be really cool. To We used to do a series, but the market wasn't reacting as strongly to it as, as I wanted, so I stopped doing it. But I'm considering doing it again. We called it MLT Crypto Alert of the Week. We can change that to Crypto Alert of a Month. It's whatever type of big scam that came into our system. We'll do a little profile on it. You guys can use that. That's oh, absolutely. Yes. And that we'll literally cover that every single week. There, that could not be more aligned. That's awesome, buddy. Talk to you later. Okay. Thank All right. you. Thanks a lot for coming on. Have a good day.